Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is June 3rd, 2019. 97 days to kick off. How many days till we match up against Gerald McCoy? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Too many? Let me see. We play them week two on Thursday Night Football. 101 days till we play the Panthers at the Panthers. We only play on, what, four days after opening day, Thursday night game? Oh, man, it's going to be fun, fun, fun. Exciting stuff. News today, unless you've been hiding under a rock, Gerald McCoy has signed with the Carolina Panthers. The kittens. You are way too happy about this. Oh, man, I am thrilled to death. <laughs> <laughs> this is this offseason has been crazy. I can't remember in all my years of watching Buccaneers football, such an exciting offseason. Just stuff happening left and right. and Just some of it's great. Some of it's sad. So yeah, it's just nuts. Everything from Bruce, Bruce Arians to, to Bruce, Bruce <laughs> to B.A., I'll just, I'll just shorten it to, okay. <laughs> to B.A. getting hired, bringing all his staff in, and Todd Bowles, and then Quan Alexander leaving, and then JPP getting hurt, and then us getting Sue and cutting McCoy and all the McCoy drama, and now this. Man, days of our lives. It really is. I don't want to hear at all that men don't like drama. Oh, we love the drama. We all love the drama. We just don't like drama where everybody stands around and talks. That's the difference. Watch a watch a woman's movie and watch a man's movie. We like the drama where what it's action. What are you talking about? Have you ever watched the NFL Network? What is Twitter? People talking. We're actually doing something. Mm-hmm. They're typing. And they're typing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exercising their fingers. If you watch the NFL Network, they're always standing around and walking talking. and throwing stuff. But they're talking while they do it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's okay, action. that is such a low bar for action. Watch a woman's movie. <laughs> they sit around a table and eat and, and they talk. Eat, but that's, that's something. The They're doing something. Yeah, I guess. That and breathing. That's that's the bar for the women. Okay. Anyhow. Eating doesn't count, but typing does. <laughs> Where'd you get typing? Typing is not a you man's You just said you on did. Twitter. I said on Twitter, and you said you actually have to use your fingers. You're typing. I was being facetious. Yeah, okay. I don't see Twitter as a man's drama arena. Have you been on Twitter? Uh, yeah, drama in it all the time. <laughs> I ain't playing. <laughs> <laughs> Full breakdown. Jeremy Coy signs with the Carolina Panthers, or as we like to call them, the kittens. I've got another word I like to call them, but what? I don't think it's appropriate. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. There might be children in the room. He got a one-year deal with a $4 million guarantee. That's the signing bonus. Other than that, he ain't guaranteed nothing. Uh, it's a $3 million base salary, 500000 camp roster bonus, 500000 in 45-man per game bonus. What does that mean? We don't know. Here's what I'm thinking, though. It's going to be broken up into six. That 500000 is going to be broken up into 16 paychecks. Gotcha. And he's got to be on the 45-man roster, not the 53-man roster. He can't be a backup. Uh, like the inactives? He can't be like third string. Gotcha. Okay. Anyhow. Then he's got incentives. If he gets six and a half sacks, he gets 500000 If he gets eight sacks... Gets him $1.5 million. He gets $250,000 for a Pro Bowl appearance, which that is just totally dumb to me. Why would a team care if your guy gets voted most popular? Because it makes the team look Does good. it? No. I, I don't know. So people took, but they talk about you. People took, put too much into a vacation. 
Because that's what it is. It's, it's not like they're going to play in football. They go to, he probably insisted. Yeah, you know, I bet That was he did. part of the contract. Yeah, good point. And then he gets 250000 for playoffs. <sighs> Ain't <I>, happening. <laughs> you didn't just say that with confidence. You added sound effects. Oh. All right, so that's total up to $10.25 But his guarantee is $4 million, And if he makes it through the season, staying on the 55-man roster... Without making any of his incentives, he gets eight point five million, something like that. I don't know. Somebody do the math. Not that it matters, and not that it's a competition, but we are winning. <laughs> Sue got more money. <laughs> what is Sue's incentives? Nobody knows. They, no, why, why don't I don't they have know. a breakdown like this? You know why? Because McCoy didn't text, or Sue didn't text Rick Stroud with his <laughs> roster bonus numbers. No, this was numbers. Ian Rappaport, wasn't it? I know. I'm with just that, Adam huh. Schefter. I'm being, I'm delirious. He with did text text Rick Stroud. See you in week two. Supposedly, that's what Rick Stroud said. He texted, he tweeted that out. He said, uh, "McCoy texted me. See you in week two. And then he goes, "You may not hear McCoy say it, but the chance to play Tampa Bay twice, to say nothing of the Bucks giving away his number three to Nanamakong Sue, may have tipped the scales in the Panthers' favor. Oh, I think it absolutely did. I don't think it's any coincidence that the Bucks tweeted that picture of Sue <laughs> in number 93, and then like an hour later, McCoy's like, oh, I'm going to sign with the Panthers. Did you see the, in the Sue picture in the gloves? The gloves he's wearing, oh, there's a my. little Rams. Symbol. That's yeah, funny. That was funny. That was an, a big oops by the Bucks. Marketing department, they should have photoshopped that out. At least. Yeah. They should have gave him a pair of Buccaneer gloves. Right. But maybe those are his gloves that he likes. <laughs> With the ramp symbol on it. You know, like maybe you break them in and it's just not the same when you get a new yeah. Yeah, pair so, of gloves. So Rick Stroud tweets this out and he said, McCoy texted me this, but you may not hear it from McCoy. Oh, McCoy is going to let it be known. Well, he already did. He texted Rick Stroud. Like, he, like he didn't know Rick Stroud was going to tweet it out. McCoy plays these guys like chumps. What do you, you call them? Useful idiots? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe that's not... Maybe I shouldn't be name-calling. Why not? Am I any better than Thomas Bassinger if I'm calling them idiots? You're better looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something, I guess. And we'll get we'll get to the media here in a moment, of course. But I want, I want to go through this uh, this signing. What do, you, what do you think about it, Molly? I think... Okay, first of all, I'm going to get this out there. I was wrong. I actually had to go back and listen to the podcast where we talked about where we thought McCoy would sign and why. And I said he'd signed with Cleveland for the money. So I'm just throwing it out there. Clearly, that's not what happened. Clearly, revenge. Petty, petty revenge was more <laughs> of an incentive than millions of dollars. Everybody mark this spot down on the podcast and just play it on loop that Molly said she was wrong. Now, here's the thing. We're going to get into this later, too, with the, with the media. But Cleveland could have way outbidded both Baltimore and the Panthers. Well, supposedly one of the teams, Ian Rappaport says probably the Ravens, actually bid double what the Panthers did. Oh, okay. Well, then that just blows away what I was getting ready to say. Oh, All okay. Right, well, I'm glad I got that out of the way. I'm glad you, you did, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it really wasn't. The money? Apparently not. And it really wasn't going to a championship team, okay, for sure. let's talk about this yes, part of it. Yes, let's talk about that. So, we covered this earlier in the offseason. I did a Know Your Enemy segment. I actually did a couple of them. And we discussed all the changes the different teams in our division went through. So, let me just recap that very quickly. And I've just highlighted the sections that are relevant to McCoy, 
as far as the coaching staff goes. So the in 2018 in December, head coach Ron Rivera fired the defensive line coach and the secondary coach. Because they sucked. Because they were so bad. He took play calling responsibilities from the defensive coordinator, Eric Washington. He is going to retain those play calling duties <laughs> in 2019, Ron Rivera is. Uh, Eric Washington is a second year defensive coordinator. Like he's never been a defensive coordinator before, but he kept his job. He is going to be responsible for the front seven, not the secondary. So he's not having anything to do with the secondary. Wait, a defensive coordinator that's only the front seven coach? Basically. That's unusual. Yeah. And Sam Mills was an assistant defensive line coach. So after the other defensive line coach was fired in 2018, he was promoted to defensive line coach. So he's been an assistant and with the team since 2015. He was also named as the game management coordinator. Oh my gosh, so that means Daryl McCoy is going to have 15 defensive line coaches just this year? Well, Rick I mean, Stroud better get on that. I know. Well, you have Sam Mills, a defensive line coach. There's probably assistants thrown in there. <laughs> Eric Washington is only coaching the front seven, the defensive coordinator. And then Ron Rivera is going to deal with play calling. So, I mean, there's at least three or four cooks in the kitchen right there. Well, that'll be a good excuse for McCoy when he doesn't do crap. That's right. Oh, and... There was rumors that they were going to convert to a 3-4. What is actually probably happening is that they're throwing in more 3-4 looks. So they'll still be a 4-3, but just kind of shake up the playbook a little bit. Hmm. Just as a recap, they finished the 2018 season 7-9. and They started the season 6-2. and Cam Cam hurt his shoulder, <laughs> and they finished the season 1-7. and So they didn't do so well. Last season, they were third in the division above us. Yeah, they crashed and burned. Barely, yes. Now... I thought the Falcons were third in the division. No. Okay. Newton is uh, going through his soldier, soldier, shoulder surgery. He's had his second shoulder surgery. Yeah, he's still not throwing in camp or anything. He and, probably won't throw until right before preseason, I would preseason games. And that's what they blamed that lose streak on. He was, was pretty horrible. He, he was bad, but... He's never really had an arm to begin with. He's always been a runner. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got a. He could throw the ball deep, but he's it just accurate. doesn't ride. It doesn't hit the mark. And his receivers aren't good enough for that. No. The offensive line is probably worse than ours. At least we have consistency. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what's happening with their offensive line. Right, they their lost their left tackle. Left tackle Matt Khalil was released because he just underperformed and had injury problems. So he, they only had him for two years. And we don't know, or they don't know who's going to be left tackle right now. No, they drafted a left tackle, or a tackle in the second round and the sixth round. But it's still completely up in the air what they're going to do. The Their center, Ryan Khalil, longtime center. Cut. No, he retired. 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 And so they signed center Matt Paradis from Minnesota, I think. He was like their big free agent acquisition this season. But they still have no clue what they're doing with the offensive line. Now, we talked about this in a prior podcast I forget who it was. I think our offensive line coach, when they had those press conferences on the assistants, our offensive line coach, Joe Gilbert, talked about offensive linemen coming out of college, that there's a steep learning curve and it takes them a long time to get acclimated to the position. Well, 
Carolina has drafted to. Right. And Yeah, they got two big holes to fill there. Yes. And they picked up one in free agency who is has one year of experience. Looks like he came from the Bears. I'm sorry. He yes, he was on the Bears practice squad for twenty seventeen. Then he played with the Birmingham Iron of the AAF. Mm, yeah. That was low locust. But so he's a guard. Brandon Green. So they've picked him up. They've kind of been doing the offensive line carousel. They're just a mess. Yes, their whole team is a mess. They're a mess. And when you rely on the run, as we found last year, you need a good offensive line. What are they going to (laughs) do? Get destroyed. Get destroyed, I'm telling you. Everything's going to be going to this. It's going to be another screen passes to McCaffrey. And I really think that Ron Rivera is on the bubble. Yeah. There was a lot of you know, clamor last season when he had all this turnover with his coaching staff. I think he was at a point where it was like he needed to do something or else it was going to cost him his job. Yeah. And they lost their their longtime running back coach. He retired. Yeah, he retired. And he's been the one that's been keeping their running game so fierce. Exactly. So, you know, they've got a lot of question marks. They they've lost, got a lot of turnover. Yeah, their secondary is still just woefully bad. They lost Captain Munderland this offseason. Oh, yeah. Let's go through that list. Okay, on their defense. Let's talk about their defense as a whole. Julius Peppers. Gone. Retired. Thomas Davis, not re-signed. That's a huge loss. Right. I mean, their front seven was so fierce. In the last few years, that's what they've been known for. Mm-hmm. And to lose two big pieces like that. They released Captain Munnerlin. Boom. Safety Mike Adams wasn't re-signed. Boom. They did re-sign Safety Eric Reed. So, so yeah, so their team is, I mean, we're saying all that because the narrative was, one, Jerry McCoy was not looking for money, which I guess you could kind of say that that's true. I mean, if there was another yeah. team that was willing to double that and he didn't go there. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I, Cleveland could have offered him $20 million. Right. You know, Ravens couldn't have. Apparently, they were willing to. They were going to uh, do well, something. I don't know. Well, if he was going to a contender, which is what the media was claiming. And that's what he said. It would not have been the Panthers. No. Even. I mean, what have they, what have they upgraded? They were third in the division last year. They had a, well, I think it was a six-game losing streak towards the end of the year. Right. And their quarterback can't throw the damn ball. Oh, they drafted a quarterback in the third I round. I saw that, yeah, yeah. So what makes them a contender? Nothing. It's all BS. Who was it, the podcaster you love that was saying that he was just getting sick and tired of hearing Daryl McCoy say stuff? And That was Ren on PewterCast. Ren on PewterCast, yeah. I was saying, look, I'm just tired of Daryl McCoy Saying stuff and not fulfilling it. That's that's how I feel here. It was just all talk. I mean, that's his M.O. in the offseason. Yeah, he's always got the talk going on. So he's going to the Carolina Panthers. He's getting you know paid pretty decent money. But why do you think? Do you think it really is because he's being petty? I think that might be a part of it. Because an hour before he signed, Rick Stroud, who is apparently his texting buddy, wrote an article which changed the narrative immediately. Uh, Previously, it was pushed very hard that McCoy wants to sign with a contender. That was his major focus, right? We've all been hearing that. But yet, right before it was announced that McCoy was signed with the Panthers, Stroud wrote an article in the Tampa Bay Times that said McCoy might choose the Panthers to get revenge on the Bucs. Here's what he said, quote, Carolina has reached the postseason four times in the past six years and were NFC champions in 2015, losing to Denver in the Super Bowl. 
Quarterback Cam Newton still is unable to throw after offseason shoulder surgery, and head coach Ron Rivera has taken over a floundering defense. But the Panthers can offer McCoy something that other teams can't. Revenge. End quote. And then, then McCoy signs after this article comes out. And then Jenna Lane tweets out, one hour after Ndamukong suit revealed that he would indeed be wearing number 93, Jared McCoy signs with the Panthers. Not a coincidence. End quote, she said. So the, the narrative changed immediately, uh, even before he signed with the Panthers. I can't believe, okay, now that you point that out, it's like everything I've said in the last 20 minutes was exactly that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy is how crazy. you can read stuff and you don't even realize that it's impacted your opinion? Yeah. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Let's talk about what Jeremy McCoy is doing here, though. He's gone to a team that really is, and we've said this on the podcast since the mid of last year, that they are on a steep decline. This is a team that we, we've even made the prediction. You said that Cam Newton's not going to last the season this year. I said him and Rivera are going to be gone within a couple of years. Yeah. I think Rivera will be gone first at the end of the season. If they don't turn it around, which really they're up against, the odds aren't great, I don't think. I think Cam would probably get mm, another year or two, depending on. We'd have to look at his contract when it's coming up, yeah. when he's signing, because I, I don't think he's, he's not going to get another contract with Carolina. They just they love him, though. That's because Carolina Panthers fans are mentally unfit. <laughs> <laughs> if they weren't, they would be Buccaneer fans. <laughs> Here's the thing. I mean, this is really, really fascinating to me, because, the, I mean, the narratives are just flying up and down. They have been ever since the offseason about what McCoy is going to do, whether the uh, the team has treated him right, whether they're going to sign him, whether they're going to cut him, whether they're going to trade him. And then when they do cut him, it's whether he's going to a contender, whether he's going for money. And now it's he's going for revenge. McCoy has played against the Panthers 15 times in his nine-year career with the Buccaneers. You know how many sacks he had in those 15 games? Five. Why would you say that? You're looking at my notes. I was trying not to. <laughs> That's a low number, five. But it's not. It's four and a half. Oh, good. Only three and a half of those are against Cam Newton. He's only sacked Cam Newton three and a half times in nine years. Well, now they're going to be on the same side, so that doesn't matter, right? Right, right. But I'm, I'm getting to the I'm getting to okay. the point here. All right, sorry. He's had twelve total sacks in our division in nine years. Out of fifty-four and a half. Out. That's his total sack number. Yes. 54 and a half sacks. Only 12 of them have been in our division. I'm just flabbergasted. I know. But it gets even worse. Five of them have been against the Falcons. That's the most he sacked. That's because he got three of those in one game against <laughs> against one lineman. It the, the, was what, a backup? He was a horrible lineman. They took him out of the game. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah, McCoy, we've talked about this. McCoy didn't get any more sacks. Nobody did. He's had four and a half against the Panthers, but he's only had two and a half against the Saints. You know when the last time it was he sacked Drew Brees? Mm, I think off the top of my head, it was... <laughs> She's looking at my notes. I did not look. Uh, 2015. Yes, he has not had a sack against Drew Brees since week two of 2015. I do know that because I think you've said it before. I do listen to you. <laughs> now, McCoy plays over 80% of the snaps he has with the Buccaneers ever since he's been here. He's a three-down defensive tackle with us. He's going to the Carolina Panthers, who have... Kwan Short, Don Terry Poe as defensive tackles. Each of them play 50%. They rotate over there. He's going to get rotation. He's going to be in rotation. He's not going to get his 800 snaps a season. He's not going to be getting six sacks. And he's definitely not going to be doing it against divisional opponents. He can't do it now when he's getting 80% of the snaps. 
You're reducing his snaps by 30% and you expect him to get more sacks? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And I tell you what, he ain't going to get a single sack on Ali Marpet, who he's going to be going up against every now and then. Ali Marpet throws him around. Our right guard, yeah, it's a little iffy there. We got Beninock in there. We'll see. Beninock's not the quickest person on his feet. He gets beat by the spin moves. Not that McCoy has a good <laughs> spin move or anything, but McCoy is quick on his feet. But I think that's why I think Warford's going to be in there. Or a guard as yet to be named. Ryan Jensen, he's going to be able to handle McCoy. Everybody's talking about McCoy's going to be sacking Jameis Winston. It's hard to sack Jameis Winston. Mm, that's true. Best way to sack Jameis Winston is to go through Donovan Smith. McCoy ain't going to be going through Donovan Smith. <laughs> no, but McCoy likes to do the stunts, though. McCoy likes to run around and run into the defensive end. Right. <laughs> so... So He's Bruce Irving is going to get right, less, ma- less, na- less sacks this year. Yes. So Kawan Short and Don Terry Poe are their starting defensive tackles. These guys play 50% of the snaps apiece. Everybody on the defensive line plays about 50% of the snaps. Uh, Mario Addison was the only, he's a defensive end. He was the only player on the defensive line that got over 60% of the snaps last year. He got 67%, actually. Hmm. So they rotate all the time. Jeremiah McCoy is going to be in that rotation. He's not going to be a three-down back now. So that just really blows. He had to have known that going in. He's not going to be a three-down back. He's not going to get the snaps he needs to get the sacks he needs. Because with us, he was playing 800-plus snaps a season and getting six sacks. You cut out those snaps, you cut out the sacks. Do you think he wanted to pl- Maybe he wanted to cut back on his uh, Apparently, play. Sue didn't. Sue's going to be a three-down defensive tackle. Sue averages over 900 snaps a season. You know who only beats him in that? As far as defensive tackles? No, no defensive tackles do. But you know who, like players? Phillip Rivers. <laughs> Phillip Rivers is is one of the only players that plays more than the Dom Kong Sue. Wow. Phillip Rivers has not missed a game in, I think, like 11, 10, 12 years, something like that. He's got perfect attendance. Perfect attendance. Straight A's. <laughs> He's a star. Sue is a player. Sue gets out there and he plays. I mean, he's on there. And that's one of the reasons why he wanted to come to Tampa Bay, I'm sure, because he knew, ooh, I get to take this spot where I get to get every down. McCoy's going to a place where he's going to get half the downs. Some weird stuff going on there. But, hey, if you want to say it's revenge, that's fine. We'll see him twice a year. <laughs> it's going to be great. Be and glorious. we know how to beat him. There is no, exactly. Ali Marpet knows how to beat him all day long. I, I think it'd be funny if they did where they switched Ali Marpet in front of McCoy every day <laughs> just to see what would happen. That'd be hilarious. But McCoy never, well, McCoy dances around on the <clears throat> offensive line. He doesn't shoot straight ahead. So he might line up in front of Ben and Ock at the right guard and end up over by Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith. It's just the way he rolls. So he's not going to a contender. He's not doing it for the money. He's getting less snaps. He's going to be in a rotation with two guys that are getting more money than him. Posenake making nine point three million. Kwan Short's making seventeen million. Which one? weren't one of them the most expensive? Yes, last year per sack per player. Sack. Yes, it, well, Ralph went through all the defensive tackles, took their salary, it was took their Short. yeah, mm-hmm. took their sack numbers, and calculated who had the most expensive sacks. Yes, it was Kwan Short. I've got that around here somewhere. It's in one of the podcasts. So, so Jerry McCoy is going to be behind two guys that are making more money than him just for the opportunity to play the Buccaneers twice a year? If you ask me, that sounds kind of petty. That absolutely is petty. I mean, 18% of the Panthers' salary cap is going to defensive tackles. That's the most in the league by far. 
The last team to spend over 17% of the total cap space on the defensive tackle position was the 2014 Detroit Lions when they were paying the Kong Sioux a whopping $22 million. Whoa. That's absurd. Especially for 2014 numbers. <laughs> what? The a tweet from Greg Amon said that Carolina was spending over $50 million on the defensive line before signing McCoy which is the most in the league. Where have we heard this story before? Where have we heard this before? Yeah. Hmm. Last year, we spent, what, $52 million on our defensive line? Something like that? Somewhere yeah. around there? We were the most expensive defensive line? Yes. Yes. How'd that work out for us? Don't know. <laughs> hey, JPP got 12 and a half sacks. Five and 11, that's how it worked out for us. Right. And it wasn't the offense the problem. Now, one thing I might would posit is the reason why McCoy signed with the Panthers as opposed to anywhere else. Is because they play in a system that he's familiar with. You said that they're going to have more 3-4 looks. We had 3-4 looks last year. Everybody does it, you know. Right. And the rumors were, oh, they're switching to a 3-4. And Ron Rivera said, no, we're not. We're staying a 4-3, but throwing in more 3-4 looks. So, Right. Yes. Uh, The Ravens and the Browns, they play totally different systems than what McCoy's used to. So I think just being comfortable and, you know, he knows the Panthers. He's played twice a year. Uh, and as you just mentioned to me, Ian Rappaport said that McCoy wanted to stay in the NFC South or just the South. He wanted to stay in the South. In the South. Because he's more comfortable in the South. Because he don't like cold weather. I guess not. <laughs> That's what I just heard. Right. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't go to a contender. So they can take that narrative and bury it six feet deep. Teams that are contenders, here's here's my list of teams that I would say these teams have the highest chance of going to the playoffs. There's only three. The Patriots, Saints, Chiefs. Now, they're not guaranteed. I mean, none of us know the future. But if I were to say, pick all the teams from all the teams in the NFL, who would you bet money on is going to go to the playoffs? Those are the only three teams I would pick. Now, I might would say the Colts, Chargers, and Cowboys, maybe. Other than that, it's toss-up across the board. None of them teams want him. Or he didn't go talk to him. whatever. Wasn't no money thrown his way, I guess. The Kittens? No. That's ridiculous. No, he did not go to a contender. Going to a contender was not his goal. And now he's saying he just wanted to stay in the South. So what'd that leave him? Jacksonville, Miami, stay with the Buccaneers. New Orleans, Atlanta. New, so he could have gone to New Orleans. Yeah. Are they a Southern team or a Western team? Yeah, I'd call Midwest? Them South. Okay. South? Yeah, they're in the South. Atlanta? You could always say Atlanta. You never yeah. know what they're going to do. But yeah, the, the Saints are the only ones in the group that were contenders. And yeah. So that whole narrative they talked about for two weeks with him was total crap. God, man. <sighs> Now it's all about revenge. But as I pointed out, there ain't no revenge to be had there. He's getting his snaps cut in half, and he can't sack in his division. Guess who's in his division? The Buccaneers. He ain't never sacked James Winston. <laughs> I don't think he will. Oh, that's going to be so fun, though. No, oh, I can't wait to watch that tape. Because I don't think offensive linemen really like Gerald McCoy. This is pure speculation on my part. When Lovey Smith came in, Gerald McCoy was his sweetheart. You know, he immediately talked about Jeremy McCoy's leading defense, blah, 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 blah. Right. They bonded over their faith, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was very clean. He He's the type of player that Lovey is drawn to. Right. And the first thing Lovey Smith did was totally cut off our offensive line. Now, Donald Penn was on that offensive line. Donald Penn was a, he's more of a uh, urban hip hop guy. I don't think him and McCoy got along very well. And plus, you know, it's offensive line, defensive line, all that rivalry stuff there. And I never heard any offensive lineman talk nice about McCoy, especially after they left. And Jeremy Zuda was part of that line that got cut. Jeremy Zuda went on to 
be the starting center for the Baltimore Ravens. Well, we played the Baltimore Ravens that year, and Jeremy Zuda beat the crap out of Gerald McCoy. Not all offensive line did, but there's tape of Jeremy Zuda hitting McCoy so hard, he takes him off his feet. McCoy flies back like 5, 10 yards yeah, at least. Yeah, I don't think offensive linemen have a real love for Gerald McCoy, so we're going to see when he comes and plays how Ryan Jensen actually feels about Gerald McCoy. And I'm telling you, this offensive line is going to be a lot tougher than it was last year for a number of reasons. One, B.A. is going to make them a lot tougher than they were last year. Two, we've got a new offensive line coach. We don't have that I-hop, war-hop. <laughs> They're teaching these guys how to run around. They're going to be a lot tougher this year. B.A. has said he wants the offensive line to be a tough unit. And three, and this is the biggest one, they're going to be a lot tougher because they're going to be going up against the Damakong Sioux during practice. No more of this fancy dance and footwork around, let's just have fun, Gerald McCoy stuff. You're going up against pure business. I want to step on your face, the Damakong Sioux. <laughs> I guarantee you, Evan Smith has been talking about the Damakong. He had to play Sioux twice a year. He got stepped on <laughs> quite a few times. And I'm sure he's been telling everybody, hey, guys, y'all need to, y'all going to have to watch out for this suit guy. So our offensive line is not going to be the sieve that everybody thinks it is. Jeremy McCoy is only going to play against them half the snaps. And personally, I think they don't like him. If past offensive linemen, the way they treat Jeremy McCoy when they play against him is any indication, they're going to be throwing him around, knocking him off his feet, throwing him back 15 yards. That's just my speculation. Uh, that's how I see things working out. What kind of impact do you think he'll have on the Panthers front seven, who is known for being one of the tougher divisions in the one of the tougher units in the league? He's not going to make them harder. Now, I do think that Gerald McCoy is going to toughen up a little bit. I think, you know, getting fired and getting treated this way by the Buccaneers and basically being replaced by somebody who everybody considers or a lot of people consider the better player the tougher player. McCoy's going to feel like he's got something to prove. But here's the thing with McCoy. We don't know if he could do it. McCoy talks a lot. He's always talked a lot. He's always talked a lot. We've always heard this. But he's never shown up. Now, here's his opportunity. And this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. I love this because it is going to prove. I don't know if I've ever seen this happen in football, but it's going to be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Who was the better pick? You know, you got Sue replacing Gerald McCoy. I don't care what Sue says. Everybody knows he's replacing Gerald McCoy. He's taken his spot. He's taken his snaps. He's taken his number. And Gerald McCoy better hope he got his wife and kids out of town. He'd be taking them <laughs> too. And McCoy's going to a division rival and is going to be playing against us twice a year. We're going to get to see how he performs up close and personal. I tell you, you couldn't ask for anything better than this. We are going to know definitively by the end of this year who is the better defensive tackle. It's gonna be it's gonna be question answered. My my prediction is McCoy's gonna get hurt. I think he's gonna get injured and not play through the season. And this might be his last season. Even playing less snaps. Yeah. I can see that. You see, he's going to a team. He's always been the de facto leader, the most respected by the coaches, the media here at Tampa Bay. He's never had any competition. He's always been the highest paid or the second highest paid on the team. He's the one that gets all the attention, all the recognition. Now he's going to Carolina, where he's not even going to be in the top five. They got Luke Keekley, They got Cam Newton. They got McCaffrey. They got Kawan Short. They got Don Terry Poe. He's down a long list. He's not going to be getting the media attention he's used to. He's not going to get his picture on the side of the stadiums or the or the banners in downtown Charlottesville. Is that where they play Charlotte? Charlotte. Charlotte. You know, he's 
he's stepping down quite a bit here. And I think that uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with him physically and mentally. Because you got to figure, if he wants to get in front of Kawan Short and Don Terry Poe, one of them is either going to have to get injured or he's going to have to outplay them to be... I mean, right now, he's second string. How crazy is that? He's second string. He's behind Kawan Short. Are you sure? Yes. You don't think they're going to put him in front? You can, No. No. Why would they? He's untested. They don't know how he's going to play. Maybe after training camp, they might put him in front or whatever. But still, either way, he's only going to get 50% of the snaps. They're going to rotate him in, rotate him in. Everybody's going to be rotated in. That's what Carolina does. And so he's going to have to, if he wants it, he's going to have to work much, much harder than he did here at the Buccaneers, which opens him up to injury. I mean, he gets injured a lot anyhow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he pushes himself harder, he's more likely to get hurt. So I think there's a huge possibility McCoy doesn't make it through the season. Interesting point. Yeah, that's just speculation. Totally speculation. Of course, because it's the future. <laughs> I think his size, he's a lot leaner than he used to be. He used to have a lot more weight on him. Yeah. And he's a lot more toned now. Because he's a vegan. He's a vegan. Mm-hmm. So See I how wonder, that, yeah, yeah, I wonder how much of an impact that's going to have. Well, we saw how it worked for Copernic. Yeah. Just a tidbit there I think is worth mentioning. Oh, gosh, this is going to be so fascinating. Man, I wish the season started tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, this has been just almost as fun as a regular season. You know, I'm still watching football. It's old games, but... Which, on the next podcast, I'm going to have my breakdown of uh, Kentrell Bryce. Oh, yep. okay. Watch tape of him. Got some uh, more media bashing to do as well. Don't want to bring it up in this. We're just trying to keep this strictly about uh, McCoy and the Kittens. Which this is great. This is I. You couldn't ask for anymore. This off season is everything I've wished for with the Buccaneers since since Gruden. It's been a long time. Long, long time. Wow, this is exciting. Panthers don't start their mini camp until next week. Did we ever find out if they have contact at mini camp? No, I tweeted at Greg Allman, but he hasn't answered me. It's only four days, and then they have like six or seven weeks until anything. Yeah, there. so it might be training camp. They don't put the pads on. Uh, I think it's probably, probably is training camp. This is just mandatory mini camp. Right. So they're just getting everybody together, basically. Doing what they've already been doing. Yeah, I guess. The Bucks tweeted a graphic today about the off-season workout. So for mandatory, mandatory mini camp, they have practices Tuesday to Thursday. It's 10 hours a day. That's a long wow. day. Wow, yeah. a long day. They're allowed two practices totaling three and a half hours each. So seven hours total, they're practicing, and then three hours doing other stuff. The second practice is limited to walkthrough activities. So it's three and a half hours of walkthrough? Yeah. Wow. I listened to Pewter Report today, and they mentioned that even though the OTA rules, they're not supposed to make contact. The rookies have been making contact in OTAs. Whoa. Other, don't be saying that. That'll get us fined. A little aggressive. Who said that? Peter Report. Getting a little overzealous. No, I'm not saying you don't say it. I'm saying they shouldn't be saying it. I know. <laughs> Arians is going to get in trouble for that one. That happened a few years ago where some reporters, I want to say with Redskins or something, they reported just offhandedly that there was contact. At a practice, and the coach ended up getting suspended or fined. Or oh, something. really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I had to do that in a follow-up. So, yeah, it seems like a lot of people are excited about this. A lot of people are sad that McCoy is being treasonous. Do you think that's going to impact his Ring of Honor chances? I don't know. You know, the, the Ring of Honor stuff to me is, I don't know, it's a popularity contest again. Uh, you know, it's it doesn't really matter that much to me, but... McCoy, he's a great marketer. I think he'll be able to pull himself out of this. 
But as of right now, no. I think a lot of Buccaneer fans who supported McCoy are really, really disappointed with him right now. Yeah, I would be. But there is a contingent of people who are happy for McCoy that he's going to be getting revenge on Buccaneers. To me, that's a weird mindset to have if you're a Buccaneers fan. Yeah, I don't get that. There's a couple of writers, though. Evan Winter for the Bucks Nation. He's actually rooting for McCoy in this situation. It's it's just weird to me. I mean, I am of the opinion, once you leave our, leave our team, you're dead to me. When you go in our division, you are enemy number one. So, welcome to that category, Gerald McCoy. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and here's the thing. It was very, very, looking back on it now in retrospect, very, very smart of Arians and like to not have him coming to OTAs and all that so that he doesn't have any information on their schemes and game plans at all to share with Ooh, that's true. I never even thought about that. I wonder if he even got the playbook. No, I guarantee you they kept him away from one buck place. He wasn't allowed to go in. I bet when McC- when Arians showed up that day, remember when he came into the building yeah. and McCoy was there to greet him? That was probably the last time Jeremy McCoy was able to step into one buck place. <laughs> I bet Arians was all nice to him and everything and might have said, well, you know, uh, son, we're going to have to keep you out here until we can decide what to do with you on the roster or decide what you're going to do about the team, you know, whatever. And that was the last time he stepped foot in there probably. Ooh. That was a good idea. Now that you say that. I'll tell you what. If anything, Bruce Arians is a strategic mother effer. Strategery. Strategery. So no matter what your feelings are about it, Gerald McCoy, whether you're happy he's gone, whether you're sad he's he's gone, whether you're happy he's getting revenge going to Carolina or it upsets you, hey, be thrilled to death because this is exciting crap. This is once in a generation football experience here. This does not happen. It's a real live soap opera unfolding before your eyes. That's right. We're we're going to get to see some fun stuff, and it's starting right away. Week two, not even week two, four days after the start of week one on Thursday Night Football. You know that's going to be the whole story. The whole story, Thursday Night Football, they're going to be talking about the Dom Kansu and Jerry McCoy. Oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, and Sue comes through on stuff like that. You know, Sue's one of those players, he plays... When it matters. Right. He plays great in great games. That was kind of a criticism of him was that he didn't show up till the playoffs. And I'm like, what? How is that a criticism? Yeah. He played great in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Right. So, Jeremy McCoy's never even sniffed that mess. Every time he's had an opportunity to show up in a Thursday night game, Monday night game, he just disappears. Uh, the Baltimore game is a perfect example going up against Jeremy Zuda. He lost that one, you know. There, there's some other ones. I wouldn't say Ted Larson, too. I can't remember. Uh, Davin Joseph. That's right. Davin Joseph beat the mess out of him. With the Cardinals, With the, right? Didn't he go to the Cardinals? Oh, no. I don't think it was the Cardinals. It might have been the Cardinals. I've got clips of Davin Joseph just whooping him up and down the field. Yeah, it was the uh, St. Louis Rams, 2014. Yeah, Davin Joseph mauled Gerald McCoy in that game. So, you know, when Gerald McCoy has the opportunity to step up in big games or games that have meaning, it just seems like it never happens. So, Kong Sue, on the other hand, seems to be the exact opposite. When it's a big game... He steps up or he steps on you. I think it was uh, Thanksgiving game when he stepped on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> or maybe it was the one where he stepped on Evan Smith. Evan Smith, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was Thanksgiving. Yeah. Which I'm going to go through all that. Sue's uh, penalties and stuff next podcast as part of the, the bashing the media segment. We still haven't come up with a name for that. Man, y'all got an idea for a name? Let me know. So no matter what, to repeat, no matter whether you're sad or happy about this whole situation, be excited because you may be proven right or wrong this upcoming year, but just the fact that you have a chance to find out, the odds are astronomical, and it's going to happen. This is going to be glorious, no matter what. Hey, even if McCoy comes out and tears us a new one, 
that'll be all. I mean, not awesome for us, but it'll be like, hey, there we go. Well, now we know. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, that's going to be a media event of epic proportions. Thursday Night Football is just going to blow that up so big. <sighs> and then we meet them in London. Yeah, the London game. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Which sucks because, you know, we're not going to get to see them at Raymond Jade Stadium. I know. No homecoming for him. No. Interesting. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us, guys. I want to appreciate everybody that's uh, shared our podcast on their social media. It's really been fantastic response we've gotten from that. Uh, if you get a chance, just go ahead and click the share button in your app or wherever you're at listening to it. And, you know, post this episode on social media somewhere, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you're happy with. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com. Ralph can be reached at ralph at buccaneersobserver.com. We're on Twitter at bucks underscore observer. We're now on Facebook. We're also on the World Wide Web, buccaneersobserver.com. You know, there's all kinds of stuff where we're going to be talking about this Gerald McCoy, McDonough, the Domicong Sioux situation, probably all year. But this situation right here where he's gone to the Panthers, I'm sure there's stuff we're going to think of. We'll bring it up at the next podcast. We might not have one out tomorrow. We might just wait till Friday to do the next one. Uh, but anyhow, if we think of anything, we'll go ahead and put it in that podcast. But until next time. Go Bucks.